want to quickly wrap up the teaching I started last week. Um, how to close the year 2022 successfully. I talked about the fact that it is important for us to understand the essence of the end of things, the prophetic essence of the end of things, how it is that there's much more glory when something is coming to an end and that Christians must have the wisdom to understand how to carry themselves when things are coming to an end. Christmas or the month of December or the end of a year is not a festive season prophetically. It is not a festive season. The world has made us believe that the end of a year is a festive season. But spiritually, the end of a year is the opening of another year. And so people must understand what they ought to do because physically you are ending the year, but spiritually you are entering another year. The Bible says the sons of Issachar, they were men of understanding. So they knew what Israel ought to do. Without understanding of the times, you will not know what to do. And if you don't know what to do, you can't take advantage of the time. Praise the Lord Jesus. So the end of a year is a more reflective time than a time where people jump around. It's, it's a more reflective time. It's a more strategic time. Hallelujah. What time is it? What are we supposed to do? If you are really going to take advantage of 2023, it does not start with 2023. It starts with the end of 2022. How strategic you are now is what will determine what will happen in the coming year. Are you here with me? So, I have penned down seven things you need to do before the year ends as an assurance of taking advantage of a better year in 2023. And I mentioned last week that the first thing you need to do is to be thankful. That's the first way to end the year. December is a month of thanksgiving. It's a month of thanksgiving. Because when something is coming to an end, you need to take advantage of that thing by giving thanks to God. This is not a month for complaining. When you complain, you release an angel that brings you evil tidings. But when you thank the Lord, you unlock supernatural provision in your life. So this is a time that you must watch what you say. You must be thankful. Say, I will be thankful. The second way for you to end the year is to be forgiven or to forgive. Mark chapter 11 verse 25. The Bible says, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them. Say after me, forgive them. 
Say after me, forgive them. So that your Father in heaven may forgive your sins. You have to understand that forgiveness is a divine instruction. Forgiveness is not a feeling. As a matter of fact, you never feel like forgiving anybody. Amen. We don't forgive because we feel like forgiving. We forgive because it's a divine instruction. If God had not told us to forgive, no one would find a reason to forgive. Because men are revengeful. We are created to revenge. Praise the Lord. But forgiveness is a divine instruction. And that means that until you have a certain understanding of God, you will struggle to forgive. The Bible says when you stand praying, if you hold anything, you know, he's using the word if, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. It is also important for you to understand the purpose of forgiveness. Many people think that when you forgive somebody, you've done them a favor. No. That's why people struggle to forgive. Why should I forgive the person when they have hurt me so badly? You know, in the limitation of our mind, we think that when you forgive the person, you have done them good. And if you don't forgive the person, you are paying them back. But that is not true. Praise the Lord. That's not true. That, that's what we think. But that's not true. Because if my brother or my sister wrongs me, and they know they have wronged me, my forgiveness does not change what they have done. Are you here with me? And it does not do anything to them. Whether I choose to forgive them or not, they are free. Some people can be very mean, very wicked, very intentional. And they don't care how you feel about what they've done to you. So how you react to them doesn't, doesn't really do anything. There are people that you see, you become very angry. But that's your anger. It is not their anger. They, they don't really care. Praise the Lord. So forgiveness is not for the other person. You know, the moment you feel like forgiving, you feel like this person would think that I am weak. Or this person will think that I have gotten away or she has gotten away with what she has done to me. But the wisdom in forgiveness is what the Bible has said. We forgive for God, not for the other person. Why do we forgive? Because God says we should forgive. Not because we feel like forgiving. Or not because it makes sense. Otherwise, Forgiveness in itself, you see, you are conversant with it, but it doesn't make sense at all. <laughs> if someone wronged me, and they haven't even said sorry, they wronged me, they hurt me, why should I be the one to respond? They, they did me bad. Forgiveness is taking action towards someone. So holding back makes sense. So that the person must come and, because they did wrong, they must come, apologize, and even request for the forgiveness. 
Then I'll think about it and see whether I want to forgive or not. Praise the Lord. But that's not how it works. You see, to be a Christian means you need to be divine. You don't use your mental capacity to be a Christian. That's why God starts Christianity by recreating your spirit, man. We live the Christian life from our spirit, not from our mind. From your mind, you cannot. So Bible says when you stand praying, praying is a spiritual activity. It's communication with God. He says first, forgive anyone who has wronged you. One of the key limitations to your prayer is unforgiveness in your heart. One of the things that block prayer from becoming effective is unforgiveness in your heart. If you have ever prayed and prayed and prayed and you don't see an answer to your prayer, I'm telling you why. So Bible says when you stand praying first, don't be in a rush to pray, to put words together, to petition God. There must be a ceiling that you must take off. And forgiveness will not be done by God on your behalf. There are things that we need to do. A great man of God said, faith that does not take responsibility is irresponsible. That means that when we talk about faith, we are not outsourcing things to God, but we are taking responsibility of the things we ought to do that brings pleasure to God. Amen. Forgiveness is something you must do. And whenever you do it, you take the ceiling off for God to hear your prayer. So you see, it has nothing to do with who has offended you. It has everything to do with your dealing with God. So we forgive for God. Does it make sense now? We forgive for, because for, unforgiveness blocks your access to God. It blocks your access to God. Otherwise, why does God need you to forgive somebody? But he's telling us in scripture, if you stand praying, if you want to talk to me, that's what God is saying. If you want to talk to me, there's something you must deal with in order for me to hear you. He says, check if you hold anything against anyone. Forgive them. So that your father in heaven may forgive your sins. Wow. Number two, you need to understand that unforgiveness keeps you bound before God. How would God forgive you your own sins? God will forgive you your own sins only if you learn to forgive another person. It's condition. It's a spiritual rule. So you can go to God and be praying, God, forgive me, forgive me. But you see, God is not listening to the words you are speaking. He's paying attention to the actions you are taking. When you forgive others, he forgives you your sins. Praise Jesus. So you see, the value, the person that benefits the most from forgiveness is the person forgiving. Not the one who has been forgiven. Praise the Lord. Let me demonstrate something. Come. Some all right. All right. Come. What's your name? Eric. Okay. 
You can see that stand in front of someone. Someone stand the way you are standing. Turn around. Turn and face me. Okay. You can see that Eric is taller. Go go to come here a bit. Uh It's taller, obviously, than Samuel. You can see that. This is what unforgiveness does. In order for you to access God, he's telling you, God is telling you, there is something that blocks access. You know, God is a spirit. You, You don't need to understand these things. He's a spirit. There's something that when you are coming to him and you carry in his presence, it blocks access. So in order for you to access God, say when you stand praying, the essence of praying is to fellowship with God. If you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, so this is unforgiveness in the heart of everybody. Day in and day out, once you are dealing with people, people will hurt you, people will offend you. Who has been offended here before? Someone has wronged you before? Yes, sir. In dealing with people, you people would do things that will make you bitter. But God is communicating a wisdom to us. Regardless of what someone has done to you, there's something in economics called opportunity cost. The cost of unforgiveness is your access to God. It's too expensive. Regardless of how you feel, there is a cost. You see, when you stand praying... Forgive. Remove this out of the way. Praise the Lord. So if you want to access God, open your arms that way. Try and prevent me from reaching him. Do you get it? You want to pray. Maybe you are not even thinking about somebody that hurts you. But you are holding it against them. Right? You don't need to think about somebody before you decide not to forgive them. In your heart, there are people, some people have a list of people in their hearts. Praise the Lord. Their mother, their father, their uncle, you know, an SHS boyfriend, um, an uncle abroad who has never sent them money before, a lecturer who made them fail, all kinds of people. But then they still want to pray. They want to access God. Praise the Lord. He says, when you stand praying, when you stand praying, forgive Because God is more concerned about access, not the issue. Our issues are too petty. But then access. He wants to access you. But there is something that blocks access. It's called unforgiveness. It's so powerful. Unforgiveness is so powerful. So he says when you stand praying, you are trying to go to God. Forgive. You see, this is how it looks like. So you are trying to access God. Stretch your hands towards me. So God is trying to receive you. The problem is the unforgiveness. When you condone unforgiveness, you are not able to reach God. That's it. You see, you are not. So this is how people struggle in prayer. You can pray. It doesn't matter how much you shout. You are shouting. You are struggling in prayer. You are sweating. There's unforgiveness in your heart, my brother. There's unforgiveness. You can't access God. Sometimes the direction, the spiritual direction you need is to be told the truth. No prophet can give you any candle, any 
handband, any chain, nothing. If unforgiveness is powerful than all those things. Bible says forgive. It's an act of will. He didn't say that pray for grace to forgive. There's nothing like that. You don't need any grace to forgive. You just need to forgive. You are the one that said that I will not forgive. So you are the same person who can say I will forgive. <laughs> Praying for grace to forgive is like still saying that I'm holding on to things. God, if you don't come and help me. Forgiveness is not done by God on behalf of men. It is a man initiative. God told Cain, if you do what is right, I will favor you. Is unforgiveness painful? Of course. But look at the cost. If you don't forgive, who suffers the most? You, the person. The cost is God, not the person. So he says, first forgive. By forgiving, you, you see, you move that mountain out of the way. And you have access to God. You see? You have access to God. And the first thing that God does is that once you have access to him, the Bible says he also forgives you your sins. Before God can favor anybody, he must forgive them. That's what we call mercy. Mercy precedes favor. Before God can favor you or bless you, he must be merciful towards you. And he's looking at you being merciful towards another person before he'll be merciful towards you. So when I forgive you, I have access to my father. He's the most important person to me. I get blessed. I get forgiven myself. I get favored. So you are out of the equation. Holding something against somebody keeps my destiny locked. And it's not worth it. Nobody is worth keeping my destiny locked. Say, I'll forgive. You know, people have said, this person, I'll never forgive this person. Hey, what this person has done to me. (laughs) The wisdom in forgiveness is that you have released yourself into the presence of God. And you have released yourself to receive the blessings of God. But wisdom must guide you. For example, if someone did something so terrible and you discern that the person has not changed, it does not mean offer yourself to them. You see, you can forgive someone, but you are careful in how you deal with them. You set limits. So if before you give them so much access, you begin to limit access, but you hold nothing against them. Forgiveness does not mean go and repeat the same mistakes you did in the past. Praise the Lord. So forgive, but be wise. So in this month, begin to check your heart. You will see the list inside your heart. I'm not the one to forgive for you, but... I've told you the implications of not forgiving. You must forgive everybody who has wronged you so that God will be merciful to you in this season. There are some of you after church, you have to call somebody. You have to send someone a text that, hello, you know, I remember all the things you've done to me. You really hurt me. No doubt about that. But I've chosen to forgive you. That's all. It doesn't mean that go back to how you people were. No, 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 no. You know, the book of Proverbs says that the wise choose their friends. 
God has given us an option of choice. Not everyone is supposed to be your friend. Friendship must lead to purpose. If the friendship is purposeless, you have every right to cancel it. It's an act of righteousness. Praise the Lord. So forgive. And this is very important. After church, forgive people. Jesus used this principle when he was hanging on the cross. Before he ascended to the greatest place, which is the right hand of God, he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. It wasn't an emotional talk. It was an obedience to a principle. Before Jesus were people he had raised from the dead, healed their sick. People who had pierced him, they just pierced him and blood was coming and what? And the blood was still there. And he said, forgive them. That's why I'm saying you will never feel like forgiving. But that's how Jesus ascended. So forgive. No matter what anybody has done to you, the best way to rise in life is to forgive. Praise the Lord. Number three, way to end the years, honor your biological parents and your spiritual leaders. Write it down. Honor your biological parents and your spiritual leaders. Exodus 20, 12. It says, honor your father and your mother so that you may live long in the land the Lord your God is giving you. You see, there are implications to obeying spiritual laws, but we don't pay attention. If people knew the cause of unforgiveness, as in in a spiritual dimension, they will not hold on to things for long because the cost is too much. In the same vein, if you don't honor your biological parents, you are cutting your life. That's how God made it. Are you here with me at all? Yes. Honor your father and your mother so that you may live long. So that you may live long. So that you may live long. It means if you don't honor your mother and father, you cannot live long. Longevity is not a matter of watching your cholesterol or exercise. No, no. Longevity is given by God. And he has tied it to honor. When we say honor, it's not merely respect. Many people don't understand honor. So many people have not actually practiced honor. When we say honor your father and your mother, what is it? Is it, okay, good morning, daddy, good morning, mommy. No, that's not it. That's what you've been doing all your life from primary school, GHS. You are still doing good morning. Oh, yes, ma. Yes, that. That's not honor. I can tell boldly, most of you have never honored your father and your mother before. Because you don't understand what honor is. You went to Sunday school. They told you, Ephesians chapter 6, honor thy father and thy mother so that it will be well with you. But what is honor? What really is honor? If there is a benefit such as longevity of life and prosperity tied to honor, then I think that we should pursue and understand what honor is and practice it. Praise the Lord. The the word honor comes from the Greek word timayo. Timayo. T-I-M-A-O. Timayo. And it means to do something for someone based on the respect you have for them. Number two, based on who they are in your life. You see that? So, honor has to do with doing. Temayo means to do or to give. 
something to someone to do or to give something to someone. So honor in its right perspective has to do with giving. Praise the Lord. Giving or doing based on you know the Bible was not written in English. So the English word cannot rightly explain the biblical text. The language, the Old Testament was written in Hebrew and Aramaic. So the English language is not rich enough to interpret scripture. And if you're a good theologian, you realize that there is a limitation in communicating scripture. English is not rich. The Hebrew language is very rich. Praise the Lord. So, to be a good student of the scripture, you must have in-depth knowledge of Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Because that's the native language in which the scripture was first communicated. English is an adulteration. Do you understand? When you, in, when you translate something over time, in different languages, you lose something. Praise the Lord. You lose something. That's why I was explaining to you that John chapter 1, the Bible says that as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. The English word says power. And then when you go to Acts chapter 1 verse 8, it says you receive power. But you see, the original text was not, you see, English is using power in John chapter 1. Is using power in Acts, but that's not what God was saying. It says that the English language is not able to use the appropriate word. Because <laughs> English is not rich enough. Like Greek. Amen. But when you read the Greek Bible, Acts 1, 8 does not say power. It says dunamis. And then John chapter 1, it says exousia. But English calls all of them power. But one is authority and one is power. And authority and power are not the same thing. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. That's why Paul said that I did not come to you with cunning words of human wisdom, but with the demonstration of the spirit power. You don't preach because you understand English. Otherwise, the best preachers would have been the journalists in BBC and uh, CNN is deeper than that. Say it's deeper than that. So the word honor is temayo. When the Bible says honor your father and mother. You see, the best description of honor is what Isaac did with his sons. Look at it. Isaac wanted to bless Esau. And then he said, he called Esau, your own child. First of all, Isaac realized that he has something that he can give to another human being. That means Isaac understood that by his position, he carries something. Praise the Lord. By the position of your father and your mother, they carry something. And that thing has the greatest effect on your life. The one who brought you out into this world has a certain dimension of power over your life. That's true. 
Are you here with me? How was he going to release that thing into their life? Through the principle of honor. So he said to Esau, he said, go and get me venison that my soul may be satisfied so that I will declare blessing over your life. Is he not able to declare that blessing without the action of Esau? No. Because the blessing, you know, when Elisha was following Elijah, Elisha said, give me a double of your spirit. Elijah replied and said, it is not in my power to do that. You can't do things because you want, okay, because I love my child, I will bless my child. It doesn't work like that. You must apply the principle. Then God facilitates the blessing. Am I communicating to you? So, what did Elijah say to Elisha? He said, if you see me go, this request can be granted. That means that if you can serve enough, what was the work of Elisha in the life of Elijah? Bible says, the one that poured water on the hands of Elijah. If you see me go, it is based on your service, your commitment, the value you are bringing to me that will facilitate your request. So Isaac said to Esau, bring me something. The Bible says that Esau went out to get that thing, but Jacob intercepted and Jacob brought it. You see, the kingdom of God is not about emotions, not about how you feel and what you think. People think that their opinion matters. Your opinion doesn't matter. The Bible said that he has exalted his word above his name. We are talking about God. So your opinion and your feeling is not what we are using to work with God. It is his principle. So when Jacob sent the venison, honor, he received the blessing. And the blessing was just a pronouncement. If you read the book of Genesis, his father just said, you will be, you will be greater than this. You will be this. You will. And the Bible said he left his, the presence of his father without any material thing. But he became more prosperous than the one who Esau was left with the land, the cattle, everything. But Jacob became more prosperous because Jacob chose the way of honor. Bible says that these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. You see, so God is trying to help us understand that honor is not praise singing. It's not fans. It has to do with substance. Where there's no substance, there's no honor. You can't say you honor God. When there's, when, when there's no pattern of substance, that's not honor. That's fans. You give fans to footballers, but you honor God. You understand what I'm saying? And you honor your parents. And there are, there are three dimensions of people that the Bible has specifically asked us to honor. God first, our parents, and our spiritual leaders. Honor. The word honor has been used to for these three people. When you give to a beggar, you have not honored them. You have helped them. Honor and help, they are not the same thing. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. So we don't honor downwards. We honor upwards. He says, honor your father and your mother. He didn't say, honor your, your younger siblings. You honor people who are, who are higher than you in rank. You must know those who are higher than you in rank, spiritually. 
Are you following me at all? So, honor your father and your mother. So, this season, as the year is coming to an end, you need to intentionally honor. Don't abandon your parents. And let me advise some of you. Some of you feel like, oh, my father did not take care of me. My mother did not take care of me. You are not spiritual to, to think like that. You don't honor people because uh, your mother, because they took care of you and all of that. You see, for your parents to bring you out into this world, that's something you can never pay for. My mother has never done anything for me. What are you saying? You have the mouth to say that? Who brought you into this life? Can you compare school fees? Some people say, I'll, I'll not buy my father. I'm not talking to my father. He didn't pay school fees. Who gave you life? Do you know that there's something called DNA test? That your genetic coding is not original. You, your genetic coding is not original. As you have the mouth to say, as for me, so with me, I, I'm, you are not on your own. God borrowed your genetic coding from another person and wired you. You are forever indebted to your parents. That's how it is. Nobody can be greater than their parents. It's not possible. You can be taller than your parents, but you are not greater than your parents. You can be more academic than your parents. You are not, you are not greater than your parents. Anybody who goes ahead of you is ahead of you. Praise the Lord Jesus. Understand this wisdom. Amen. Understand this wisdom. Honor your father and your mother. And then the second group of people, your spiritual leaders. Where can we find that? First Timothy 5.17. Are you learning something? He says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church. Now here, church is mentioned. He says, the elders who direct the affairs of the church well are worthy of double honor. Now, you don't honor spiritual leaders. You give them double honor. Bible says, honor your mother and your father. But first Timothy, Bible says, give double honor to your elders. Especially those whose work is preaching and teaching. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Preaching and teaching is work. Oh. You don't see it as work. God sees it as work. <laughs> and the Bible says that those who preach to you and teach you, give them double. If there is something called double honor, it is for spiritual leaders. And I've explained the word honor. In its original context. Praise the Lord. Number four. I remember when I completed university. I did something. One of the things that. Let me, let me, and let me share with you. Because most of you are in the university. One of the things that happened to me. When I was in the university. Was that I struggled a lot. It was so obvious. I struggled a lot. In the university, I used to sell recharge cards. I used to sell um, fizzy drinks. I used to sell water. I used to uh, had a printer in my room, so I used to print handouts for fellow, you know, yeah. Because 
Even money for transportation was difficult at the time. So I needed to survive. Not that I didn't have parents. But at the time, my father was one person that didn't believe in what I was doing. He didn't see the essence. You know, one day I called my father and I said, Daddy, I'm really struggling. I mean, school is so hard. You know, no money to go for lectures, no money to print handouts. Please help me. And I happen to be the only son. You know, we are three. I have two big sisters. I'm the only boy. And I'm the first to go to university in my entire family. So I felt that that's like doing something great in the family. My father picked the call and said, young man, there's a funeral in the family. I have money, but I'm going to buy caskets. Do you know caskets? Yeah, I'm going to buy caskets. I'm going to buy uh, rent canopies. I'm going to buy chairs. I'm going to do funeral. When, he says, when I finish the funeral and some of the money is left, I will send you some. Praise the Lord. Yeah. I remember I had worn one shoe for three years in the university. And I went to my father and said, oh, at least give me another shoe. And he asked me, he said, do you know Chachuchikata? Chachuchikata is one of the most astute lawyers in this country. He's a lawyer for NDC. And I said, yes, I know that great man. He said, in the days of Chachuchikata, he went to school barefooted and he became a lawyer. He said, what program are you reading again? I said, I'm reading BSc Agricultural Science. He said, someone went to school barefooted, became a lawyer. You need shoe. Get out of my room. That's what my father said. Yeah. So when, I, when we talk about honor, you see, we, we are talking about something deeper. God must be involved. You must have spiritual understanding. That's why I started as a student. There was no need for me to be selling things in school. But that's when the Lord was training me and building capacity in me. That's when I completed school. I never applied for any job. I've never worked for anybody. I built nine companies in nine years. Yeah. Now, when I completed school, I noticed that the treatment my father gave me was my greatest blessing. So I loved him the more. He built me up with that training. I learned how to depend on God. I could spend hours on the path. I realized I don't have anybody. I only have God. So when others, you know, they have a plan. I didn't have a plan. My plan was God. So I don't pray like how everybody, every other person pray. When we finish the prayer meeting, that's when I start my prayer. That fortified me, made me strong made me strong so when I completed school I went out to shop I bought the best shirts the best trousers, the best shoes the things that I was denied I went to shop and I brought them and I came to my father remember at that time my father was an unbeliever my father since I grew up never seen him go to church in fact this is the first church my father attended when I established the church that was when he came here So I went to him. And I was a Christian leader on campus. I was a president of a fellowship. So very spiritual. 
Then I carried the items. I brought. He was shocked. Where did this young man get money? Because to the best of my knowledge, I don't send him anything. You see, it's, it's different if your father doesn't have. That's another issue. It's different when he has and he says, I will not give you. That is, that's, that's very serious. Then I knelt down and I gave the gifts to him. I said, Daddy, bless me. Oh, my God. Daddy, bless me. <laughs> he said, where did you get money to buy all these things? I said, Daddy, that's not important. Bless me. Then he stretched his hands over me. Say you are blessed. From that day till now, I have never gone down. I'm always going up. It was when I started church here that he became born again. I led him to Christ personally. He started church at the age of 63. It's not about whether your father goes to church or not. He didn't say, children, obey your Christian parents in the Lord. No, 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 no. Your father is your source. Don't neglect your father. Bible said there's a generation that have no regard for their fathers and they curse their mothers. There's a generation like that. It's a spirit that terminates you from your spiritual inheritance. There are people who can operate like that. They have no regard. And you know, in Ephesians, the Bible says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. Maybe another time I'll I'll take you through that teaching. Your parents in the Lord. They are those that have no they have no regard for spiritual leaders and authority. So learn to honor. Say I'll honor. Yeah. Learn to honor. And God will really bless you. If you see anybody doing well, there's a connection with honoring their parents. Honoring their parents. Praise the Lord. Number four, examine yourself and take proper stock of the year. Examine yourself. Second Corinthians 13, 5. It says, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you unless, of course, you, you fail the test? Examine yourself. You see, most times we we like to examine others, but we never examine ourselves. We are quick to point fingers at others. But have you really assessed yourself? But the examination is for yourself, and you must do that examination. Your lecturer will examine you based on what he's teaching you, but nobody will examine you in terms of your spiritual life. You need to examine yourself, and you need to be honest with yourself In context with the year, how has the year gone? How did I live my life this year? Stop pointing fingers at others. Judge yourself first. Praise the Lord. Yes. When when you have the feeling to point something out to somebody, direct it to yourself. The scripture says, examine yourselves to see. In 2022, Do a self-examination. How was your life in this year? That's the only way you can correct 2023. Let me help you with ways, areas that you can examine yourself. Number one area is your word steady life. Your word steady life. 
How was your word study life like in this year? Were you able to read the Bible by yourself? Are you able to get truth from scripture? That's an examination. Praise the Lord. Number two area of your life that you need to examine is prayer life. How was your prayer life? Are you able to pray? Mark 135, Bible said, early in the morning, Jesus will rise up, go to a solitary place and pray. Jesus had a consistent prayer life. Did you have a prayer life? If you didn't have a prayer life, you have filled that examination. Examine yourself in the area of giving, tithing and offering. In the area of commitment to the work of God. In the area of your family life, if you are married. Bible says that if you are married, you are a man and you don't take care of your family, you are worse than an unbeliever. Wow. You are worse than an unbeliever. How did you take good care of your family? Your finances. Were you faithful with finances? Luke chapter 16. Bible says if you are not faithful with unrighteous mammon, who will give you true riches? At the end of the year, you have no money. But from the beginning of the year till now, you have received money. So where is the money? Bible says you sluggard. Go to the ways of the ant and learn wisdom. If you were never able to save because you thought what you received was small, God is telling you that ants, they are able to save. (laughs) So you examine yourself. In the area of exercise, Bible says that fiscal exercise profits little. So it's good to exercise. Examine yourself. The anointing dwells in the physical body. You know, all these issues of cholesterol, high blood pressure, all of that. People have brought it upon themselves. Then vision. What is your vision? What was your vision? You are all over the place. What did you set out to do? Bible says, where there is no vision, the people perish. It's not about desires, about having a clear-cut vision. If you examine yourself in this year, you realize that, no, I didn't do well here. I didn't do well here. Let me craft a new vision for 2023. That's how you excel. Excelling in life is not by chance. It's intentional. I'm telling you, nobody stumbled on success. I didn't just stumble on this. It's been years of preparation. Years of planning. Then God will bless the efforts. Praise the Lord. So examine yourself. Are you learning something? Number five, plan the coming year. Luke 14, 28. He says, suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down? Say, sit down. Say, sit down. Don't jump to want to be a leader. First, you, you see, sit down. Some people, they feel they know. But listen, you must understand that before you go forward, you must take into cognizance certain important things. Greatness is not something that just happens. It's process. You want to build a tower, yes. You want to do something great. Bible says, first do what? Sit down. Sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it. You want to be a preacher? Sit down. Check yourself. Do you have enough capacity? It's not about saying something. It's about sharing an experience. A dealing with God. You don't have a prayer life. You want to preach to people. No, that's not how God works. God prepares people before he uses them. 
So sit down. Amen. And in December, you need to sit down and develop a plan for 2023. What is your plan? Praise the Lord. I used to do this every year. Before I go to school, I go with a plan. This is what I'll do. I'll pray from this time to this time. Monday, I'll do this. Tuesday, I'll do this. My life is on a course. Number six. All right. Number six, prepare yourself for crossover. Joshua chapter three, verse five. He says, Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. What you don't prepare for, you will never see manifest in your life. Prepare yourself. This is a time where you must engage in fastings. Prepare yourself. God wants to do an amazing thing with you in 2023. Prepare yourself. Amen. You are not too young to fast. Praise the Lord. Prepare yourself. Consecrate yourself. Wait on God. Wait on God. Number seven, learn to love in this season. Learn to do what? John 13, 34. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. God bless you for listening to this message. Subscribe to Reverend Randy Impact on YouTube and all other digital platforms to receive more messages that will transform your life. Stay connected and prosper.